We're going to be returning in our teaching this morning to the series which I've called Absolutes, where we're running it kind of in parallel with our midweek foundations course. And what we're looking to do through the fall is just to really um, make sure we're all clear what we believe and why we believe it. For our own peace of mind, because we live in a skeptical, cynical, doubting, sad world. And also so that when people genuinely inquire, we'll be able to explain why we believe what we do believe. So we started last week by looking at the Bible, and we're going to continue looking at these absolutes. I was reminded earlier this week of, uh, one or two of you may remember this, I certainly do. One of the classic Sunday morning teachers, I think, teachings I think I've done over the years, we were in the, in the uh, UA movie theater in Patchogue a number of years ago, and I gave what I call my Turkey Hill chocolate peanut buttercup Sunday sermon. I got your taste buds going, isn't it? All right, there may be some here who remember that. It was at a time when we'd been going for a few years and there were a number of people in the church who said, you know what, I think we should be more like this and more like that. And so I did my chocolate peanut butter cup Sunday sermon, which I brought a container, it was an empty one. I was being good back then, I didn't even eat the contents, I threw them out. So I had the container. That was heroic, wasn't it? Uh, right? So, so, I, so that Sunday morning I talked about, I said, this is my favorite kind of ice cream. Absolutely my favorite kind of ice cream. And, and I said, I said you, you know what? If you ask my wife what her favorite ice cream is, she will tell you vanilla. Vanilla. I'll take a five-scoop sundae, please. What flavors do you want? Vanilla. It's like, wait a minute, there's 39 varieties. Vanilla. Now, sometimes she gets really carried away with herself and has vanilla bean. And at a push, she has been known to have French vanilla. 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 But that's fine. Whatever floats your boat. It's like, it means no, she won't be touching mine, right? That's good. That's good. But, but, when, it comes down to, but when it comes down to it, we've all, got our, we've all got our favorites. I'm talking about ice cream at the moment, right? So we've all got our favorites. Now, you might look at my tub of chocolate peanut butter cup sundae and say, well, I'm sure you like that, Rog, but I like strawberry. Could you put a bit of strawberry in that? I say, yeah, okay, let's put a bit of strawberry in. Somebody else says, I like chocolate chip cookie dough. Okay, let's put some chocolate chip cookie dough in. Somebody else says, I like coffee flavored ice. Fine, we can have coffee, you know. And then everybody comes along their own opinion. I said, fine. I said, let's do that. And then in the end, we've got a mix. And guess what? It's awful and nobody likes it. it. Nobody likes it. And I said, you know what? Here's the deal. This is us as a church. This is our flavor. We are chocolate peanut butter cup Sunday. All right, I'm not talking ice cream anymore now though, right? I said, this is our flavor as a church. Not by accident, but by design. And if this doesn't represent what you want, I've got to tell you this, it isn't going to change. So if you're not comfortable with this church the way it is, this may not be your church. That sounds abrupt, doesn't it? 
But I'm going to tell you something. I think we're here today because of that sermon. Because we didn't distort ourselves into somebody we are not to try to keep everybody happy. Did we lose people? We lost a lot of people at that point. But the people that were left were people who loved chocolate peanut butter cup Sunday. <laughs> and I hope you like chocolate peanut butter cup Sunday because that's us. Are you getting it? Because there were certain things which we couldn't compromise and certain things we would not compromise. On some things, absolutely, yeah. But on others, it's like, no, I'm sorry, we can't, you know, this is it, this is where we're at, this is what we're about. Now, we live in a world where kind of we're almost obligated to say about people, well, if that works for them, that's good, who am I to judge? Well, if they're happy, that's fine. And that would be fine, but the truth is this world is not a happy place. And, and, and the way a lot of things are going and the way a lot of people's lives are going, the truth is they haven't found contentment and they haven't found happiness. And, and the reality is this. I'm going to say this for the third Sunday out of four, I think. What if, just what if, God knows what he's talking about? What if God knows what he's talking? What if the pattern to life is here in this book? What, happen, what if a good foundation is found within these pages? What if the pathway to life that is fulfilling, satisfying, and will be eternal is to be found in Scripture? And my contention is, it is. And that's why we're looking back at our foundations. And... On odd occasions, people will say to us, well, what do you believe as a church? And um, if you want it all kind of written out, it is on our website, which is genesisli.com. And um, there's a tab that says about us, and then that opens up another list, and top of that list is what we believe. So we've got it there. Now, obviously, I wrote this 20-odd years ago. Still believe all the same, so that's okay. But I wouldn't have written it quite the same nowadays. It sounds quite kind of complicated and scholarly. I've given up trying to sound complicated and scholarly, but you don't need me to tell you that because you know. Um, but it's there. And, and last week we looked at the, the first statement, which is we believe the Bible, and that becomes the foundation. Today we're looking at the statement we've got about God there. Here we go, scholarly, you ready? We believe there is one true holy God eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each of whom possesses equally all the attributes of deity and the characteristics of personality. In the beginning, God created out of nothing the world and all the things therein, thus manifesting the glory of his power, wisdom, and goodness. By his sovereign power, he continues to sustain his creation. By his providence, he is operating throughout history to fulfill his redemptive purposes. Well, that's a lot, isn't it? So let me break that down into four statements. Here's, here's, here's our absolute about, our, here are our absolutes about God. Number one, God is unique. There is one true holy God. God is unique. 
Now, that's an unpopular statement in today's culture, but it's a biblical statement. When God was guiding His people, the children of Israel, in their journey towards their promised land in the Old Testament, God was giving them some guidelines for life then and for life when they came to establish themselves as a nation in the place He was going to give them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, here's what God says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I want to pause there just now. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear this, America, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's one God, and the Lord is our God. There is only one God. And then he said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. God is Unique. Now, that gives a lot of people a problem because they want to, us to acknowledge that whoever or whatever they recognize as God is okay. And you know what? Here's an unpopular opinion. It's not okay. Well, you know, here's what I believe about God. Who gives a hoot? God is God. Well, I believe that God is in the whole of His creation, and I see God in nature, and it's like, you know what, I see God's hand in nature, but it's the hand of God. Nature is in God. God is God. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of people try to, you know, you know they, they've got their ideas, and they'd rather take any other route. And here's the sad thing. It's not working. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Here's an absolute for us as a church. God is God and He's God alone. There's one God. Now, now somebody might say to me, well, you, how about all the other world religions? Apparently in the year 2020, their Islam had an estimated 1.2 billion adherents. So Muslims were making up, at that point, almost 25% of the world population. So what do you say to that, Raj? Here's what I say. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. So how about, how about Hindus number about 1.2 billion? That's about 16% of the world population. So Raj, what, what do you say about them? Are they all off track? Well, here's what I'll say. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. Here, here, here's the thing. Many things in life, there are multiple ways to do them. Right? If, if you find someone who, who, who's lost a significant amount of weight, very often the question is, how'd you do that, right? Because... Anyway, I won't go there. Anyway, <laughs> right? And somebody will say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's dead easy. What I did is I cut out carbs. And I found when I cut out carbs and did this, I did this, and this, that, yeah, it worked for you. And somebody else will say, well, you, you know what I did? I, 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 I drink these shakes, and I drink these replacement shakes, and, 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 and they work for me fine. 
And somebody else will say, I worked my butt off at the gym. And it's like, okay, then it's like, you know. And then the wise people will say, I joined the major weight loss company in the world. <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Actually, there, you know, there, there, there's a ton of ways that you can, you, you can moderate your weight. It basically comes down to burning more calories than you eat. I mean, that's, that's a simple equation. There are plenty of ways you can do it. But I want to tell you this. When it comes to some other issues in life and to some way more significant issues, we need to be aware of the fact we can't putz about by suggesting there are multiple ways that will lead anybody and everybody to heaven, you know, if that's not true. So we need to tell the truth, which is this. There's one God and there's one go-between, and that's the Lord Jesus. Christ. Amen. We're talking about life here, and we're talking about eternity. And that doesn't come down to whatever floats your boat. God is so concerned that we should know Him, belong to Him, and spend forever with Him that God made it real simple. Here's the way. This is the way. That's why Jesus said in, in, in uh, Mark 16, he said to his disciples just before he went back to heaven, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. You know, it's, it's, you know, this, he said, is why you need to do this, because if people don't believe, they're going to be lost. But if they believe, they're going to be saved. So, so one of the foundations for us as a church is this. We believe there's one God, and our goal is to try to introduce as many people as we can to that one God and to come to know Him and have relationship with Him and have their names written in the book of life in heaven. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9 and verse 6, we have this statement. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Lord. Ephesians 4, 6, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in you all. I'm throwing this out there for one reason, uh, uh, one of the reasons is I just want to undergird the faith of every one of you who might find your belief challenged at times over and over again. One God, Father of all, over all, through all, and in all. And Acts 4 verse 12 kind of puts it in a nutshell. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which he must be saved. Now, the doubter might say, well, that means that God is very exclusive, doesn't it? So, let me introduce you to the best-known verse in the whole Bible. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Is that exclusive? No, I don't think so. That's inclusive. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that... Whoever believes in him, that's not exclusive, that's inclusive, should not perish, but should have everlasting life. No, no, no. God's not exclusive, God's inclusive, but he tries to make it so very clear. It's like, here's the way, here's the way, here's the way, and, and, and folks are off here on some tangent saying, oh, look, I found a way over here, I found a way over there, and it's like, no, there is only one way. 
And that's an important message for us as individuals, just talking about the love of God to others. And it's an important message for us as a church too, that this is the way to the God and to a life that's eternal. God is unique. The second thing about God is this. God is eternal. God is eternal. Jill and I were sitting in LaGuardia Airport a few weeks ago, and uh, we were just getting something to eat before we got on our flight, and I got a text message from someone. And I looked at this text, and it was news in there that I had never expected to hear. They said, I'm sorry for the loss of your queen. I know she was 96 years old, but nobody ever imagined there'd be a day when she wouldn't be there. And, and the fact is, you know, for me, she was, I think I was two years old when she became the queen, so she's all I've ever known, and it was this huge, huge stabilizing influence for the whole country and for others as well. 96 years old, but I thought, you know, I never thought about the day when she was not going to be there. But the fact is, the greatest of world leaders, and she's probably among them, the greatest of philosophers and intellectual minds, the greatest spiritual advisors of history have one thing in common. They've passed. They've passed. But here's what the Bible tells us about God in Psalm 90 and verse 2. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God has always been, and He's always been God. God always will be, and He always will be God. You know, the Old Testament Scriptures were written um, by and large in, in, in the Hebrew language, and the Hebrew word translated everlasting or eternity actually occurs 440 times in the Bible. God's eternal. God's everlasting. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, we read this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So Alpha and Omega, the first and last words of the Greek alphabet. So God said, like, I'm the A to Z. From start to finish. I'm the God who is. I'm the God who was. And I'm the God who is to come, the Almighty. You know, one of the things I love about that verse is it just reminds us, you know, God, God basically is saying there, I'm God now, same God as I was back then. And, and you know what, in the future, I'll be the same God still. What does that mean? The Almighty the Almighty. I am Almighty God, he says. I was Almighty God. I am Almighty God. I always will be Almighty God. So many things change in this world, don't they? 
24 years ago, I had hair. <laughs> thick black hair. I had a thick black beard. You did this to me. Everything changes, right? Everything changes. But here's the thing. God is eternal. Through all the years, God is God. The same today as he ever was. In, in Malachi 3 and verse 6, he makes this declaration. God says, I, the Lord, do not change. There's encouragement, perhaps, for some of you there today. It's the God of the Bible who's your God. It's the God who did these things who's with you right now. It's the God that you saw acting in these pages who's the God who will act on your behalf. And I want to just remind you of this too. As you look to the future, he's the same. He does not change. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Look at this who does not change like shifting shadows. God's the same. God's the same. We change. God doesn't. The God who rescued Daniel from the lion's den, the God who sent an angel to comfort Elijah when he was burned out, the God who wept at a friend's tomb, the God who encouraged children to come to him so he could bless them, that God is still our God. Don't be deceived by the pictures you, will, you, you, you might get from some people's attitudes. Don't, don't, don't be tempted to believe that God is judgmental, that God is looking to harm, God is looking to perish. God is full of love. And here's what it says in Psalm 48, verse 14. This God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. This God is our God forever and ever, and He will be our guide. He will be with us even to the end. Every step of the journey, God will be with us. God is eternal. So, God is unique. God is eternal. And then, let's look at this. God is the creator. God is the creator. You say, well, a lot of people dispute that, Rog. Who gives a hoot what a lot of people think? Let me tell you what the Bible says. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. First this, God. First this, God created the heavens and earth, all you see, all you don't see. That's it. First statement of the Bible. First this, God created heavens and earth, all you see, all you don't see. So it's like you open the book and the very first page, the very first words present you with God, the creator of everything. It presents you with an incredible, all-powerful God who actually was there before anything else was there. First this, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I know that evolution is taught as scientific fact, but it isn't. It isn't scientific fact. The whole transmutation hypothesis is just a hypothesis. 
what it claims is not documented by scientists. In fact, it becomes quite incredible to me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And what happened over the course? They've always got the same kind of voice, these people on National Geographic. Right? And, and, and I don't know if it's their voice that annoys me or just what they're saying. But, um, and, and, you know, and over the course of many thousands of years, the fish developed lungs. Fantastic. I want wings because I'm fed up with Delta, right? It's like, you know, it's like, right? I mean, that's what I want. But you know what? In my humble opinion, I'm smarter than a fish, but I still can't do that. And then the fish developed legs. It's like, wow. They are so cool. Now, mankind has been around as long as fish were around, but they don't seem to have been able to do as much as the fish have. Oh, wait a minute. No, mankind has, because they developed from monkeys, didn't they? No, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know what? If you won't believe what the Bible says, you've got to find some fantastic thing to hang your coat on and say, this is it. But <laughs> it's so much easier to say, yeah, I believe this. First this, God created the heavens and the earth. Cool. That's cool. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. God, you made. Now, why is it so important for us to say one of our absolutes is God is the creator? And, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why it's important. In fact, I'll give you a Bible verse and work around this. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom all things live. I just want to pause there. There is one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. If I develop from some other species, I've got no kind of accountability. But if God is my creator, and if God is my life giver, then you know something? I've kind of got a accountability and a responsibility to my creator, for whom we live, right? Like a child is going to want to do, most of the time, anything they can to, to really make their parents proud and to bring their parents joy. They love their parents. They, they respect their parents. And here's the thing. If God is the creator, as he is, if all things came from him, then the truth is all things should be living for him. So actually, since God made us, we are his, and our lives need to be lived for his glory. If God didn't make us, we're accountable to nobody. Creation implies responsibility and accountability. That's why creation is a significant 
foundation. And let me just rush to this fourth thing about God is this. God is unique. God is eternal. God is the creator. And, and here's the final one. God is the redeemer. The message of the Bible. By his providence, I'm quoting again from our statement of beliefs. By his providence, he is operating throughout history to fulfill his redemptive purposes. What God is doing is he is looking to redeem lost mankind. That's the story of this book over and over and over again. That is the gospel. That is the good news. God wants to bring us back to himself, every last one of us. That's why he made it easy. One God, one way, don't mess up. God made it easy because he wants us all to know him. Titus 2 verse 14 says, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. We're going to look at this in a little more detail next Sunday morning. But, but the, the whole thing is this. God was so desperate to redeem us that Jesus came and died for us. Ephesians 1, 7 says this. In whom, that is in Jesus, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. What you'll see right through this book is the story of mankind messing up and God reaching out to him. What you'll see through this book is, is right through the Old Testament, it's pointing forward to the coming of a Savior. And then you come into the Gospels and you see Christ, and you see the sacrifice of Christ through his death and through his resurrection. And then through the rest of the New Testament, the celebration of the message of salvation, redemption through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Redeemer, our Redeemer. God is unique. God is eternal. Here's the big thing. God is our Redeemer. Amen. And if you're still wondering, He wants to be your Redeemer. When I was 16 years old, I was, I was running the uh, midweek children's program in our church. Um, which is quite something when you think about it. <laughs> Who trusted a 16-year-old? It was a totally separate program on a Monday evening, and I just had my own key to the building. I opened up the building. I let the kids in. I had a couple of people, friends of mine, who helped me, and we did this kids program for 30 or 40 kids every Monday night. And, um, hey, I'm thankful for a pastor who trusted somebody and gave them opportunity. And uh, so I would do stuff with this kids, and we'd do all the stuff you'd do. We'd play games, and we'd do this, and we'd do that. And then every, every, every week ended with, with a story. Now, I'm 16 years old, and um, you know what? We didn't have video curriculum like we've got in the ark today to throw up on the screen. We didn't have video back then. But anyway, um, you know, we, we, didn't have, we didn't have all the resources. There weren't, you know, there, there, there was nothing. It was like, uh, I got to find something or do something or other, and you're trying to keep it interesting. One of my favorite stories was a story that I'd heard before, and I used to use this about every six months and hope the kids didn't remember it. <laughs> I probably told it to you. I hope you don't remember it. So the, the story's about a little boy who makes this big model boat with, uh, 
with sails and everything else. It's got intricate detail. He spends weeks and weeks and weeks working on it. And he is so proud of his boat. And he can't wait for the day that his dad's going to take him down and they're going to go down to the shore and he's going to watch his little boat sail. And they went down to the shore and it was a bit of a rough day and dad said, ah, I'm not sure if we should do that. And, uh, you know, the boy wanted to do it. He wanted to see that his boat could sail. So there they are at the edge of the ocean and they, they put this little boat in and it starts to kind of point out and to sail away a little bit and he starts following it. And then suddenly there's this huge gust of wind that lifts it up, takes it out some ways and just sends it crashing. And it's gone. It's gone. He can't get it, get to it. It's sunk. His boat's gone. He's absolutely heartbroken. Some weeks after that, he is passing a charity shop. It's, I don't know, what do we call them here? Charity shop? Thrift shop? He's passing this thrift shop. I've only been here 31 years. I don't know the language. <laughs> Not sure of the language yet. Um, He's passing this thrift shop, and in the window is his boat. He rushes in excitedly and says to the lady behind the counter, that's my boat in the window, that's my boat. Can I have it, please? And she said, yeah, that will cost you whatever. And he said, but it's my boat. And she said, no, it's got a price on it, Nat. If you want it back, you've got to pay the price. This kid is so crestfallen, upset, he goes away. And he does everything he can over the next few weeks to make a few bucks here and there, save money, scrounge money, everything he can do. Until the day he proudly walks into the store, puts the money on the counter, says, can I take my boat, please? As he walked out of the shop, he said to his little boat, you're doubly mine now. I made you and I bought you back. And you know, that's redemption. The God who made us and then watched as we went off in our own direction is the God who paid the price to redeem us back. There's nothing we can add to that or need to. All we need to do is say, Lord, I receive your salvation, your redemption. I give myself into your hand. And if you have never yet done that, I want to invite you this Sunday morning to respond to the God of the Bible, the God of the gospel, who has redemption as the one thing that's on his mind. Let's pray together.